Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Our text today for this sixth Sunday of Easter is from the Gospel reading, John the 15th chapter. These words of Jesus toward the end of the Gospel reading where he says, I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And again, Jesus says in John 16 also, Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. This is our text this morning, dear friends in our Lord Jesus. Some years ago, the grandparents of, at that time, my only son, returned from a a trip bearing gifts for their grandson gift that they had found in a gift shop where they had been traveling. It was a t-shirt. They had found a particular t-shirt that had words on it. The print on the shirt was entirely in German. And it said, Mama and Papa, Nein Sagen, Fragi, Eben, Oma, and Opa, which translated means, if Mom and Dad say no, then ask Grandpa and Grandma. And the recipient wore that shirt proudly. I suppose that's the pleasure and the prerogative of being a grandparent. They get to spoil the grandkids. It's also the prized potential for grandchildren, too, knowing that grandpa and grandma love to spoil them. The saying, the little saying on the shirt, that, that light-hearted saying, lightheartedly suggests that with grandpa and grandma, the, the sky's the limit for asking, in asking for whatever. Well, when we recall the words of our text for today, it would also seem that the sky's the limit too for us Christians in asking for whatever. For Christ said, didn't he truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Whatever. Whatever you ask, he will give it to you. Now God does not lie. The scripture tells us that. He does not lie, and we hear this, and we would be as wide-eyed children in a toy store ready to embark on our own sort of spiritual shopping spree, holding the hand of our Lord as a grandchild would his grandfather's hand, as we'd walk down that prayerful aisle pointing to this thing there that we'd love to have, that thing over there that we'd also love to own. In fact, make that two of those. What promised potential we see and we hear in these words of Christ And we would be so wide-eyed, except that in our lives, in our lives, we just don't seem to see it. Our Lord certainly said it, but in our lives, we just don't seem to see it. For whatever it is that we ask, we certainly do ask him in prayer, but the undeniable fact is that what we, for what we ask in prayer, it's not always given to us. And think of the things for which you pray. Things for which all of us pray, perhaps for the spiritual health of, or well-being of, of a long-time friend of yours. You'd love for him to come to church that, so that he could benefit from the same God-given grace that you do by God's word and God's sacrament. For that matter... You'd love to see many more people here in the pews each and every week, packed to the gills here, benefiting, people benefiting from God's freely given gifts, and and we ask for this. 
Or you love to see your friend or a, or a loved one leave behind a lifestyle that's not at all consistent with his stated Christian convictions. And about this you've prayed and you've prayed. And though you've prayed, there's been no evident change at all. Or perhaps it's for physical healing that you've asked, but things have only gotten worse since you started praying. And at the present, things don't look so good for the future. Or maybe your prayer has been for relief of real strain on the pocketbook lately. You've prayed perhaps for a raise, promotion at work, but instead you get the news that now your very job lies in jeopardy. And at worst, you could lose it. At best, your benefits are going to be, or your pension is going to be cut back a bit. Have you prayed for a companion, for a, a good Christian companion with whom you can share your days, and, and yet you find yourself still, after many, many prayers, still praying the same prayer? For whatever it is you ask, the truth is that it's not always given as we would ask. Well, what about that sky's the limit, that so open-ended promise of our Lord in the text? Didn't he say whatever? Didn't he say whatever you ask? Doesn't he always live up to his word? Well, indeed, he said it. And be certain that he always lives up to his word. And that's why it's essential that we carefully consider his words, all of his words. Because you see, so often when we would consider these sayings of our Lord, these couple, indeed, that serve as our text, we would perhaps get so caught up in the potential that we neglect all of the words in the text. And there are three, three small words, but three very, very significant words at the heart of this text that define this text for us, that define his promises to us, that qualify them to us and for us. You recall those words? Truly, truly, he said, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, I will give it to you. In my name. We so easily forget the hinge upon which the promises of our Lord turn. In my name. Praying in Jesus' name. Whether we'd say it aloud in faith at the end of our prayers or it's simply understood silently as we pray, silently in faith. Praying in Jesus' name ensures us this. It ensures us that the Father hears our every prayer. Scripture tells us that there's one mediator between God and man, that's Christ Jesus. And in Christ and through Christ, and for the sake of Christ Jesus, his life perfectly lived, his death a perfect sacrifice. It's the only way our prayers don't simply fade into the vastness and emptiness of space. It's the only way that our prayers are received by the one true God, through Christ. And we certainly don't deserve that God would be attentive to our requests, do we? Luther put it well in his small catechism. Maybe you remember it from memorization in your years of catechetical training. He writes in one of the petitions in the explanations of the Lord's Prayer, We certainly are not worthy of the things for which we pray, nor have we deserved them, 
but we ask that God would grant them all to us by grace. And in fact, the sinners that we are, even given this privilege to pray that we have and that he's freely given us, so often we've not prayed consistently as we, as we should pray. And often when we do pray, often it's our prayers switching on like an automated security system. In an automated security measure, when all of our own best efforts have failed to bring about what's most desired to us. As we pray in Jesus' name, we, we do so realizing that indeed we deserve not even to be heard. But we know, and know it well, that for certain, because of Christ, the Father will not look upon our sins, nor will he deny our prayers because of those sins. But praying in Jesus' name, it also implies that our prayers would be consistent with what Jesus would want for us. Praying in Jesus' name is not necessarily the open-ended, skies-the-limit sort of formula that we might wish for it to be. Praying in his name is praying our prayers with the Christian caveat, according to your will, O Lord. I'm going to ask this, and I'm going to ask it, that you grant it according to your will. Lord Jesus is not going to bring to his Father a request that he knows well wouldn't be good for us, a request that he simply couldn't put his name on. Nor would his loving Father grant what he knows would not be the best thing for us as children. You think about that for a moment. Would God really be a loving Father if he did give us in this world whatever it is we set our minds and hearts to? Sky's the limit. Fathers and mothers, you already know the answer to the question. You already know the answer to the question because you yourself have responded to many a child's requests. You know that a parent's response to his child's request must often be no. No, or not yet. Why? Because you love your child too much to give him whatever he asks. If I, have, as, a, as a father, would give my children all the things that their little minds and hearts so fancied and the things for which they'd asked, would that be loving? If I were to give them their ladders to climb high, or their swords, real swords, Dad, to fight in their battles, power tools to work, sweets at all hours of the night and day, would that be loving? It's like little William. Little William, little William wanted very much the new shiny pair of scissors his mother had just purchased at the drugstore. He saw how well they could cut. Surely he had all kinds of things to cut. They were sharp, they were strong, they were right there sitting right in front of him, just out of his reach in a holder on the countertop. And he imagined, as he looked at him, how he imagined how happy he would be with those shiny scissors in his life. He imagined all the fun things he could do, all the fun he could have with them, all the good he could do with them. But his mother, she wouldn't allow him to have them. The desire of his little heart, and she wouldn't allow him to have it. But he didn't understand. William didn't understand. He couldn't see, you see, the potential harm 
He could only see the appeal of these things. But his mother, his mother, she wouldn't allow it for him. She loved him. She knew, in fact, how unhappy his life would be if he were to get a hold of that very sharp pair of scissors. And he asked and repeatedly and repeatedly he asked her and her answer, her answer was no, William, no. And he would beg sometimes and he would plead, sometimes even bringing himself to his knees, he would to make his request, but his mother's answer was always the same. No, William. William couldn't see it. He wouldn't see it until one day when he too would be a father. He would understand that his mother simply loved him too much to give him what his heart so desired. Children of our Heavenly Father, God loves you too much to give you whatever your heart desires. Remember what our Lord's answer to Paul was? Paul, who scripture says, pleaded three times and more with the Lord that the Lord would take this thorn in the flesh from him. What that thorn was, it's hard to say. And I think perhaps the Holy Spirit left it ambiguous so we could fill in the blank. But three times and more Paul asked the Lord to take this, this thorn in the flesh from him, but the Lord's answer remained the same. No, Paul. No, I love you too much, Paul. My grace is sufficient for you, Paul. Hold this promise before you too, as you ask for whatever, and ask for whatever. And he'll either give you what you ask for, or he'll give you the grace sufficient to live life without it. Martin Luther once was preaching on the words of our text, and he gave us something to think about. He said this, he said, Here you ask, how can this promise really be true at all times if God often does not grant our prayers? Did he not let David plead in vain for his son's life? He writes, I have often said how prayer must be formulated. We must not stipulate for God the measure, the term, the manner, the place, or the person. No, we must leave this to his knowledge of what he should give and what is useful for us. And our Father knows best. He knows best, for as Christ Jesus himself said, and you fathers and mothers too, you know it well, what man is there among you? If his son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone, Christ said. Or if he asks for a fish to eat, would give him a serpent? If you then, Jesus said, if you being evil by birth and nature know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to you who ask him? My friends, think of the greatest thing of all that our Father freely has given to us. Without our even asking for it, he gave it. Scripture proclaims of the Father he spared not his own son. He spared not his own son, but freely gave him up for us all. He loved us far too much to see us go eternally without. And so he gave his only son up to the sinner's cross, to the sinner's death. He did it for us that whosoever believes in him and in his work shall not perish, but have everlasting life and have it to the full. And that's why scripture continues 
In this way, he, we heard, spared not his own son, but gave him up for us all. So how will he not with him freely give us all things that are needful to you? And so by all means, ask for whatever, but always do so in Christ's name. In every prayer, he's our confidence. Christ and the Holy Spirit interceding for us, those who know our needs better than we do, interceding with our loving Father for us, graciously receiving our prayers, and yet at the same time graciously ignoring the requests we make that would prove less than the best for us if they were to be granted. And so that's our confidence. As St. John writes in his first epistle, now this is the confidence we have in him, that if, if we ask anything according to his will... He hears us. He hears you. And he will indeed give you what's best, for he loves you too much to give you anything less. In his name, amen.